Hi everyone, and welcome to the Trips for Kids Pedal Pod. My name is Mark Cruz, and I'm a volunteer for this amazing 30 plus year nonprofit organization. For anybody who's hearing about Trips for Kids for the first time, don't worry, it's all good. I'll be telling you all about it right now. This wonderful charity was founded in San Rafael, California in 1988 by social activist, mountain biking pioneer, CNN hero, and cycling legend, Marilyn Price. Trips for Kids is a national nonprofit organization that offers transformative cycling experiences to kids between the ages of 10 and 17. Trips for Kids focuses on at-risk and underserved youth, giving them a bicycle as a tool to instill self-confidence, personal responsibility, achievement, and appreciation for the environment. Trips for Kids has had an impact on over 230,000 kids since 1988. Their goal though, is to reach at least 10,000 youth annually through their vast networks of chapters all across North America. Trips for Kids believes that all youth should have the opportunity to know the benefits that a bicycle can provide for them. And together, we can change kids' lives, two wheels at a time. Now, I'm so excited to share with you guys that my very first guest for the pedal pod is none other than the cycling legend, the CNN hero, and the founder of Trips for Kids herself, Marilyn Price. We got the chance to have an amazing conversation spanning topics such as the story of Trips for Kids, her personal story, and some current events that are going on in today's world. Now, with that stuff being said, let's get into the podcast so you guys can listen for yourself. That's truly amazing. How are you doing? How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fine. <laughs> isolation, but um, my work still continues. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so, yeah. So, you know, I've got some questions for you. We actually, we had some uh, questions also sent in. And so, yeah, we'll go ahead and get this going. So, first of all, I'd like to ask you, how long have you been writing? Um, and do you remember the first time you ever wrote? Well, and I do. It's one of my favorite stories. And um, I kind of was out on my bike today thinking about it. Um, and it was like, I think I was four years old. I had a tricycle when I was about three. And at uh, four years old, um, we got, my dad got a two-wheeler. And um, I remember the day he would practice with me holding the seat. And I remember the day when didn't know it, but he had let go. And I think many, many people have had that same experience. It was like, wow, this is so wonderful. I'm doing this on my own. And I've heard that story repeated um, by other people too. So I'm sure it's, it's a common experience. But with me, it kind of stuck with me. And um, I have, since the age of four, <laughs> I have been a bicyclist. And uh, now almost 80, I'm, I'm not giving up. <laughs> Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hooked on two wheels, huh? Exactly. Yeah. And it sounds like you have been, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It is, you know, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful high, you know, just going through, just being outside and breathing in the fresh air, isn't it? Yeah, well, and sometimes I think to myself, what is it about the bicycle? I haven't pondered it too much, but um, one, I like going downhill. It's just absolutely amazing. The, the speed you can go, you're not pedaling a bit. And the fact that it, for a, a kid, and I hear this too, it's like freedom. Um, it's one of your first chances to 
get away. <laughs> you know, when your parents would let you bicycle, it's mm -hmm. like you're just you're just there on your own. And it was really a sense of freedom. And then just something about the motion and the energy, the, you know, you're doing it yourself. It's not like a motor is powering you. Mm -hmm. So, and all those things, so many things, the company, the great exercise, breathing the fresh air, as you say, all those things. Oh yeah, exactly. It's like uh, it's like you can explore, like where wherever wherever those you wherever you put that front wheel, that's where you get to go explore. It's wonderful. Um, so yeah, and I also wanted to ask you, how did you get involved in mountain biking? And uh, yeah, first of all, I'd like to ask you that, and I do have a follow-up question. Yeah, well, mountain biking. I worked. Let's see, it must have been about 1980 at the Cove Bike Shop in Tiburon. And it was actually the first bike shop, perhaps in the country, but certainly in our area, that was carrying uh, mountain bikes. They started um, with a pro cruiser. One of our local, many people might know the name of Mert Lawwell. He was big into motorcycles, even rode with Steve McQueen in a movie. But Mert designed the pro cruiser frame. And it was probably, you know, one of the very early uh, mountain bike frames. And what they would do at the Cove, it was a family-owned shop. And they would get like Magura levers that the motorcyclists used. They would put the Magura levers on this frame and they would use parts that would be suitable for riding off-road, you know, the knobbier tires. And they would sell the bike um, as a complete bike. Then some people would like bring in their the Schwins that they would find in the junk heaps and they would outfit them the same way. So that was the shop that I worked at for two years, just doing sales. And um, many of the pioneers would come into our shop. We had Charles Kelly, who was the fat tire flyer, would come in, Jackie Phelan, a number one mountain bike bicyclist racer in the early days, Joe Breeze, Steve Potts, Gary Fisher. So I got to know um, um, Scott Nichols with Ibis. You know, so I got to know these pioneers as little at the time did I know I was meeting what later on I think of as famous people <laughs> who, who in a brief period of time uh, went down in history. And because also I was interested in environmental, being an environmentalist, that's also one of my lifelong passions. And I read in an article, um, it was in Transportation Alternatives, about how the mountain bike that these guys that I knew were inventing, it was enabling healthcare workers to get into backcountry. So it just even gave this whole thing of mountain bike, you know, much more glamour. So that was my introduction. And um, the co-bike shop uh, family and friends would go out to Crested Butte every year. So one year, um, can't remember, it was in the very early 80s, I hopped into the van with him. The night before, I had bought Eric Kosky, who was also one of the owners of the shop, was an early inventor. And I bought a, a bike from Mike Rust, uh, another mountain bike uh, hero. Um, and they got it ready and we popped into the van and went out to Crest Butte. That was, I had spent, I knew I was going, getting into mountain bicycling. And so I had spent a few days up in the hills behind my house, experimenting with riding a mountain bike. So we got out to Crested Butte, and that was actually where, probably I would say that's almost the inception of Trips for Kids. Um, it just blew me away. Um, the town is at 9,000 feet. 
the about the third day we went up to the top um which is about 12,000 feet. And I just remember every little band, it would just get further and further up. The vista would open, the company was great, and it was absolutely beautiful. And then you get up to the top and it was like, wow. And um, it, it kind of really got me stuck on being a mountain bicyclist. And I never went back to road riding after that. I had done tons of road riding from the 70s to the 80s. And, and I decided this this is what I'm going to do from now on. Wow, that's that's truly an incredible story. I, I can only imagine what that view was like up at the top. Yeah, and many people, I'm sure, have that feeling, too, and have experienced exactly what I experienced. Oh, yeah. So would you say that that's your, uh, that's your favorite uh, riding memory in, in mountain biking? Um, well, that definitely is, you know, I, I think I was somewhat hooked before just going out and practicing, although it, it, I did it on my own. And um, I'm glad we had trips for kids because it was kind of frightening. You know, I would fall. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have any tips. Um, yeah. But um, it, uh, th I've got many other memories. That, I think, just cemented the idea of, uh, you know, mountain biking was where I wanted, what I, what I wanted to do. And I remember coming back home, and it's beautiful here in Marin. We have Mount, Mount Tam and, you know, all the, the surrounding areas. But um, it was like something really very special there, too. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's so cool. That's, that really truly is. I, uh, I hope one day to visit, to visit that exact spot and be able to see that because that truly sounds incredible. Um, so you started Trips for Kids more than 30 years ago. Uh, some of our listeners may not know the story, uh, which you did actually kind of share right now. So that moment at the top of Crested Butte, would you say that is what inspired you and uh, what steps did you take to really get things going? Well, and I think that inspired me to do mountain biking. I came back and I would spend every weekend, I got what was our Olmstead map, even by myself. I would go out every Saturday and Sunday. I wanted to explore every trail that was accessible. And there were a lot of them up on Mount Tam and beyond. Um, and uh I just remember one day I was going up the railroad bridge. Oh, I, I have to go back a bit because in the, let's see, it was in the early 80s also that I had volunteered for a couple of years um, at our St. Anthony's dining room where they feed poor people in the Tiberloin, in the tiber, tiberloin uh, Tenderloin uh, section of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And quite um, quite an experience there, you know, meeting the people, uh, being in a very unfamiliar circumstance. And I remember one day I was on my bike by myself going up Mount Tam and I looked across at the city and I remembered the Tenderloin. I didn't see a lot of kids at the dining room, but I definitely remember the neighborhood. And I just thought to myself, wow, wouldn't it be nice if we could bring some of those kids up here? to have the very same experience that I had. I had kids at the time, I knew they could go biking with their family or whatever, but that these kids did not have an opportunity. And uh, that was my first thought of trips for kids. I, I had earlier on, uh, when I graduated college, I'd wanted to be a social worker, but I never went to get my master's. So the combination of um, the social work my love for the environment and protecting it 
and um, love of bicycling, it just all clicked. Mm -hmm. And I came back and I mentioned to a few people that's what I wanted to do. And I was never a very confident person that I could do anything other than be the housewife, mother, et cetera, that I had been. And so my first thought was, oh, I can't do that. And then incredibly, because a couple weeks later, I got a magazine, a bicycling magazine, and I read in it that a psychologist down in Southern California by the name of Kevin Fox was working for the YMCA there, and he was doing a program exactly like the one I envisioned. And so I wrote to Kevin, and I said, geez, you know, I've been thinking of the same thing, and he wrote back. And I said, I said, but I'm not a psychologist. What do you think? And he wrote back and he said, you don't need to be a psychologist. He, and he just, I'm sure I still have that letter today. But he said, just start small. And that gave me the encouragement to uh, just dig in. And I have to say one other funny story about Kevin. Uh -huh. Years later, we had on our board a wonderful gentleman by the name of Alan Kay. And I was talking to Alan one day. He said, oh, Marilyn, I should tell you, you know, my son-in-law did a program down in uh, Los Angeles very much. This was a few years after I'd already known Alan. Like yours, turned out to be his son-in-law was Kevin Fox. Wow. So we had Kevin Fox come to our 20th anniversary celebration and, of course, had to stand up. But just a small world. I find that with bicycling, too. We're a very small world. And a very tight community. I, I, I just love the bicycling community. Yes, I, I completely agree with you. That's, that's so funny. That's crazy. It, it truly is a small world. Do you have any other instances where you just kind of like so many, had so many people that you saw like would connect and um, so many people you found out knew one another? Yeah, well, probably all along. They're not coming to mind specifically <laughs> now, but um, I, I, and it happens all the time with it, probably any endeavor you're in um, that you just think of and eventually are able to connect with people you've thought of before and have never known. Um, so you founded the Trips for Kids to assist youth most in need, trying to bridge the diversity gap, break down barriers in cycling, and giving all kids the opportunity to ride in nature and provide them with an opportunity to escape from their daily challenges, even if for a few hours. Do you feel the barriers are as high as they once were? Um, oh, I will imagine, and some I, I'm delving into history these days in other ways. I will imagine they've, they've always been pretty high, um, mm -hmm. just particularly, particularly um, in these inner city type neighborhoods. You know, for any person that um, is doesn't have the opportunity that other people do. I think they're just a lot of barriers and always have been. We've got other things now, like, you know, we've got the, op the you know, more drugs, uh, which complicates it. And then the guns, of course, of course, the guns have always been there, but not, not, not as, as much as we're seeing today. But I definitely barriers have always been there. I, I saw that in the tenderloin for sure. I mean, the, the barriers that those people must have faced in their life are, are enormous. Yeah, it's, it, it truly is, you know, and um, you know, I'm wondering how, how do you feel Trips for Kids has uh, helped change things? 
for for these kids who have overcome these barriers? You know, it's really funny when um, when I started, I you know I had hoped that we could get like all the statistics and the evaluations and everything, and I settled. And I also I, I really wanted to impart environmental education to these kids. That was that I wanted them to help protect this world. That that was one of the things bringing them into the outdoors. I had wanted them to get a sense of, wow, isn't this wonderful? You know, I want to protect it. Um, but I soon found out because we took, chapters work different ways, but because we took different kids each time, mm -hmm. it was hard to track anything. You know, what exactly did we do? Mm -hmm. um, but we would get wonderful letters back from the agencies. Uh, we would always have a circle at the end where we went around and uh, I would always have my note paper, you know, what, what did they get out of it? And we would hear great comments. And I finally just settled on, maybe I don't have to know, you know, it works. It's just kind of like by osmosis. You've experienced, I've experienced it. Mm -hmm. uh, we don't have to necessarily count it out. Uh, you do if you're trying to get money, I guess, from people. But we just know that it works. And even the environmental education, I just felt um, they are getting something. I would hear that in their little comments at the end. Um, there was one story that uh, kind of really sunk in, but um, you know, you don't know how common it is. One of our um, uh, ride leaders, the volunteers, was out on this mountain where where is it which is in my backyard and he came across a couple of guys they've got the tattoos and kind of like the gang kind of markings and they're out there on their bike and he talked to them and one of them said he owed his life to trips for kids and yeah. what it what he owed his life to trips wow. for kids and and what it was was it he said because it kept him off the street and so now he was spending his time mountain biking, bringing his buddies up with him. So now that's one story out of what, 20, however many thousand, 200,000. <laughs> but it's just like, I know, I know it happens. Just right. again, like your experience, what was your experience? I've told you mine. It mm -hmm. was just these experiences can really sink in. You don't even necessarily know they're sinking in, but they can change your life. I, I completely agree. And the beauty is with, with cycling, there's so much freedom that everyone can have their own experience and each is just as beautiful as the next person's. And, and you can even meet another person who loves cycling and you get to share in that. You know, everyone, everyone gets to share in that same beauty, that same freedom, that same everything of, of how it's affected them. I completely agree. I, I think that's a wonderful point. Well, and exactly. And the fact that it is your experience, you can read about it or you can watch it on TV or in the movies, but actually having it yourself is what really is going to sink in. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. I, I completely agree. Um, do you believe that the cycling community can do more to help support the Black Lives Matter movement? Uh, just because, you know, that's, that's very timely what's going on. Um, it's, it's something that's gained a lot more momentum as time keeps passing by. And personally, I've seen a lot of uh, ride outs in support. Um, a lot of people meeting up on their bikes and they just say like, let's go, let's all dress. I believe it was in um, Chicago uh, where everyone dressed in black and they all rode their bikes in protest. And so I've seen my own instances. What, what do you think could, other than that, could also be done or um, yeah, just what are your thoughts? 
Anyhow, I actually think more programs like Trips for Kids. Um, and I became very familiar with the bike industry because for, oh my goodness, like 33 years or whatever, I would go to Interbike each year and, you know, I would meet some of the presidents and people involved in the industry. And occasionally I would speak up and or, or write in something. My contention then is, and talking about what the industry can do, the minority people in this country will someday be the majority. Mm -hmm. And it's a wonderful opportunity. The industry is looking to make money. <laughs> and it's a wonderful opportunity for them to concentrate on, you know, appealing and helping, uh, helping our Trips for Kids program, mm -hmm. uh, because those are the cyclists of the future in large numbers. So um, I definitely think the industry can play a bigger role. Um, I think they are probably going to now. I also feel that Trips for Kids is a, a wonderful position to capitalize on this, you know, to show the industry what our program has done for, you know, black, my, minority people, including black lives. And we certainly have taken a lot of um, kids from that, from all those populations. Mm -hmm. So, um, they, like what I've seen with the Black Lives Matter, everybody jumps on the bandwagon. They kind of like make their statement, but then they go on business as usual. And I, I will hope that the bicycling industry is going to be one of those that stick with it and look into all the ways. And it will help your bottom line too, as far as I'm concerned, um, to, to um, help more more of the folks that we serve to get out on bikes. Um, and the same is true uh, for the environment. And I sometimes write letters into bicycle retailer anytime I see that they've done something with the environment. And I, I had, I got an IMBA award way back. Um, oh, sometime in the eighties, late eighties for what I was doing. And the little um, acceptance speech that I made, I talked about, the industry being more environmental with their packaging and I'm not sure whatever else I mentioned. And that too, the same with Black Lives. Now that we have a climate crisis, I see they're dipping their toes into all of this, mm -hmm. but I swear, you know, it, it, it will help their industry if yeah. they attend to the mm -hmm. people that we serve if they attend to the environment. These are the concerns of the time. This is showing what, problems we have in their country I, I i completely agree i think and i think one of the beauties about cycling is uh the unity that it brings when you're riding with other people you know when you're riding with other people you share in that experience and i think that's definitely something that like that's a wonderful part of the cycling community is, that's uh, that's a very good point that um and i i just went to a black lives matter event last night and um mm -hmm. Uh, one of the one of the women there was speaking exactly that exact same thing that you know you get together with people you see we are all we're all just part of the human race and and that's it it's kind of like what we're talking about with the experience it's not what you read it's like having those experiences yourself are so so very important and uh you know but with with our rides um we would take kids from uh it, they could have been all one 
one, you know, they could have all been black, they could have all been Hispanic. Normally they were mixed. So they're actually already in a setting where they are mixed, but they were also affiliated. Most of our leaders uh, were Caucasian. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, we got that direct experience of working with them. And it very interesting. This is another comment. And it, it, I, I have to say, I, I would see as we started chapters that um, there were universal things mm -hmm. where I would read what they were doing and I would think to myself, oh my goodness, that experience and, and the result they're having is exactly what we're having. And like, this is one of the, one of the examples, the kids would get out of the van and um, you know, we would meet them and they'd kind of like, oh, who are you? And kind of held back. We'd outfit them with the bikes and do a little practice riding around. And as soon as we were out on the trail, almost all the time, as soon as we were out on the trail, about 20 minutes into the ride, all of that broke down. And it's like we were all people enjoying this experience. Um, and I would read about this from the other chapters. There was even one guy who wrote me from South Africa. And he was doing a similar program and he shared with me an article. He had the exact same things to say in his article. This is in South Africa. So I, I figured that, uh, and I, we would talk about this, that there, the bike, uh, the kid out in the, in the outdoors, whether they're on the road or particularly, you know, in, in nature, it, they're just universal things that happen. So we're, we're an important organization. Yeah, I, definitely. And, you know, as you mentioned, some uh, environmental issues and, and there are there are many that are going on right now. What do you think the cycling community can also continue to do in that aspect? That will be a stretch for the industry to go in that direction. But they are making some some steps in that. But mm -hmm. now, particularly, I'm very excited about the e-bike because mm -hmm. it enables people to get out of their cars and it's a lot of uh, carbon saving. Mm -hmm. So the industry focusing on, on the e-bike, focusing on being more environmental in their production and their sales and everything. I mean, it's something we all, we all really have to do. And in terms of our kids, and this goes back to that osmosis bit, where, um, you know, I, I was disappointed that we weren't doing we weren't getting that environmental education message. We didn't want to be pedantic, but again, um, it, they, they, I'm sure they would just pick it up. So with the industry doing more, more to get more of uh, our kids out on mountain bikes, uh, more to clean up their app, um, it, it, it has to all be positive. We, it's got to all be helping. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, to completely sidetrack on uh, to something, another question uh, is, I understand you also met General, and I, I believe I might, I'm going to try my best with the name, General Schwartz, Schwartzkopf. General uh, Schwartzkopf. General Schwartzkopf. How did that meeting come about? Oh, it was so exciting. I was out on my Crest Butte, um, one of my Crest Butte at their Fat Tire Festival. Mm -hmm. And um, I got a call um, and it was from somebody with NBC. And mm -hmm. I had been in a bicycling magazine. It was called an article called Local Heroes. And it, so it had a column about uh, our trips for kids and a photo of me. And they called up and would uh, they be able to feature us 
mm-hmm. on Tom Brokaw's NBC uh, special. It was General Norman Schwarzkopf. He was, he was having a series called Schwarzkopf America. This was after he retired. Mm-hmm. So lo and behold, um, he was out in Telluride. I was in Crested Butte. So after the festival was over, um, I went out with a, a friend and we uh, drove to Telluride, met him somewhere up in the mountains. And we did like an, oh my Lord, it was like a couple hours of filming. And where the two of us, I, I was like just me and him on his bike. And I didn't know, you know, how am I going to talk to this general? Fortunately, he was very verbose and he, we would just ride along and you had to go back and forth and, uh, you know, like they do in the movies and test things out. But we kept up the conversation and then we would stop along the way and, and he would ask me questions. And that was, they would film us riding and then they would film us chatting. So after that was done, and I was very glad, I was, it made me very nervous, but I came back home and then they came out and they took another, uh, they did another portion of us on a ride. They spent a whole day with us up on the mountain. And uh, sure enough, they did choose to put that on. The t- it was at the end of the Tom Brokaw News Show. And they would always have, as they still do today, it's always like a feel-good story. So we were their feel-good story. And it was about probably about five minutes. So it was first me and the general talking up there in the mountains in Telluride and then showing the ride. And I remember to this day, it was just so exciting because riding behind me was Victor, who was our first, um, he and his brother were one of the first earn a bike programs in our, in, uh, when we started the earn a bike program. And at one point I look back and I say to Victor, and Victor, remember, it's 15 miles an hour. We can't go faster than 15 miles an hour. And with that, Tom Brokoff smiles and just says, and that's the way it was. (laughs) It was was a very exciting thing for Trips for Kids. Of course, we don't, I I now have a CD, but then it was videotapes. Has there ever been anyone else that you just happen to run into while riding somewhere? Well, one of our other of notable people, lots of people that, uh, as a matter of fact, that's one of the things when people would ask me what I loved about Trips for Kids, and it was just the thousand or more people that I would meet and work with. Um, uh, But one of them was Robin Williams. And how I met Robin, um, as a matter of fact, Amy just put something in our Trips for Kids because I had told her this story. Um, we put on big bike swaps. Uh, our best year, we made like sixty-five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. So I would ride around town with my flyers in my front bag, and whoever I would see, somebody on their bike, you know, I'd give them the flyers. So, at a coffee shop on the corner was a group of uh, men who had just finished their bike ride, and so I approached them to give the flyer to everyone, and one of them was Robin Williams. And he looked at me, this was kind of back in the Schwarzkopf day, because he looked at me, he said, I just saw you in a, in a bicycling magazine. And I just looked at him and I said, well, and, I just said, well, and you look pretty familiar too. And I turned around and walked away. I knew exactly who I was talking about, but I didn't want to be starstruck. So, but from then on, I would see him at different times, like in a bike shop, um, run into him at a bike shop. He came to one of our swaps. Uh, At that time, we actually approached him to ask if we could ever feature him. He would join a ride and he said he would have to ask the agent. 
But then he would also come in and donate. Uh, he had a huge amount of bicycle items, like bikes and clothing and everything. I think most of them had been given to him. And he would donate them to trips for kids and he would sign them. And one of the highlights of me of knowing Rob, two of the highlights was I went to um, an event in Sausalito, a uh, big bike event. It was uh, with like the Grand Fonda or whatever they call it. But And so Robin came in and he actually gave me a kiss and it was like, wow, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And then uh, we, when we had our 20th anniversary where Kevin Fox was, uh, Robin joined us at that too. So some very, very special times with, with Robin. And, you know, I'd have a chance to just talk to him, like just talking to anybody and um, just a wonderful, wonderful man. Um, he never joked. He never joked when we talked. Really? It's just, no, it was, um, we just talked. And one day he told me about how his mother had died and how hard that was for him. So stuff like that. But I just wish he was still here. He was, yeah. he was the most wonderful. He's, he's truly an, an incredible man. That's And a big bicyclist. He loves yes. bicycling. Hey, you know, it's, it's just as we say, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And that's why it's, it's important to get a lot, get as many people as possible out there on it. Um, and there was one other person, Bob Weir with the Grateful Dead. I live here in Mill Valley and he and his wife, uh, rented a home across the street from me. Mm -hmm. I lived there for about six months, and that their organization actually um, had had donated to trips for kids too. He he was a bicyclist. I'm not sure if he still does, but he was a bicyclist. Wow, that's that's crazy. Um, I just I would have man, you know, I, I would have never guessed. You know, just run into all kinds of people like that, just doing what you were doing. But, and that's part of the small community and part of, you know, when you love what you do and they love what they do, it, it just brings people together. Mm. Yeah, I, that is true. Uh, it definitely is true. That's one of the reasons, that's one of the reasons why it's just, it's so wonderful to get, you know, go out with friends or even just, you know, um, talking with someone that's just also on the same trail as you is like, oh, you know, this is bringing up conversation. But um, I, uh, I know, you know, I know people don't really like to talk about birthdays or age or anything, but I do understand you have a momentous birthday uh, coming up in October. Um, what do you believe writing has played a part in your overall health? Uh, especially you just said you were just on a ride, uh, I think yesterday, right? I go out every day and I think it plays a lot. I, I really, I tell this to my grandchildren. Um, it's hard for children to kind of get this kind of concept, but um and we will see, you know, like, where am I going to be another 10 years from now? But um, I feel it's very important for health. Uh, when I was younger, nobody talked about bicycling. You were very strange, actually, when you were bicycling. Nobody talked about the, the value of exercise. Now everybody knows sleep, you know, food, proper food, and, and exercise are very important for good health. Uh, we never really stress that with the kids on the ride and that could be a consideration of something that, you know, to attend to. Um, but um, I just, I, I, I don't let a day go by that I don't go out for some fairly hard exercise on my bike. Um, 
and I, I think it pays off. Keeps mm. you keeps you strong. Ho hopefully, can live longer. Um, not in every case, but I think exercise definitely, definitely, definitely is important. Oh yeah, you always you always got to keep moving. Um, you know, and I actually would love to ask you what about like what mileage? What's your favorite you know length to go on? What's your usual that you go on every day? Yeah, well these days, and I I do a lot. I've I well, and this is I kind of got this with trips for kids. I'm perhaps you know I'm like a workaholic, but once I get into something that I like, mm -hmm. I like to devote all my time to it. Right. So I no longer actually go out on the long rides. I, it's it's hard to fit that in with my work um, and my home responsibilities. But I do go out every day now for exercise. I used to, mm -hmm. uh, as I said, during the when I, I first started, I would explore every inch. I'd be out for five, six, seven hours on wow. a weekend, um, kind of exploring or out with friends. Um, and then I always use my bike for commuting. I worked for, I think, nine years um, where I would have to climb at the Golden Gate Recreation Area. I'd leave from my home. I would climb up, up their hills up there and drop down to the ocean. Um, and so I used it for my commuting. Um, and because, and this goes back a long time ago, I didn't want to use a car because I knew way back then what it was doing to our environment. Right. So, um, so today I even do not have a car. I gave up my car about three years ago. I do get around by bike. All my errands are by bike. Um, got several bikes that I can use for the different occasions, but, and then for the exercise too. Right. Right. Um, and you know, on, on speaking of just environmental issues, uh, as we mentioned earlier, you were talking about the importance of the e-bike. Um, would you, could you please go into that more just how, because I, I know that what's great about it is you can kind of just kick it, get started, you know, and then it'll just take you so you can go on longer commutes and, you know. Yes, like absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it, it, it does enable people to get out of their cars. If you look at, uh, in Europe, uh, the Netherlands, uh, Denmark, Norway, Finland, you know, they are a huge number of people riding. Mm -hmm. And um, here, not as many, but with an e-bike, um, and I hear that all the time, I read that in Bicycle Retailer, it is really catching on. And I think, you know, I think a lot of people are using their cars less because mm -hmm. of the e-bike. So just like that mountain bike, going way back when I met these Gary Fisher and Steve Potts and all of those guys, it was like, you know, they went down in history as having benefited benefited the world, you know, with, with a mountain bike, particularly thinking of these healthcare workers um, getting into the back country. And the e-bike, the invention of the e-bike is definitely going to benefit the world. And, and it's going to help the bike industry too. Now, in terms of trips for kids, I don't know that we'll be using e-bikes. Um, and we, I don't know that we want to use e-bikes because I, and that's part of the beauty of what Trips for Kids does. I remember so many times, I'm sure this is very universal too. You would take a kid, it would take them up these, you know, hills, up even up the mountain. Mm -hmm. Very, very difficult for them. 
and you know there would be complaints or you'd have to go slow or sometimes you'd be walking um but then you would get back down and you we if when you had that chance to look back up i would say can you believe that you just went up to the top there and it's like so that's why maybe not to do the e-bikes it's like the feeling of great great accomplishment um, and that's a really important thing for the kids that we work with, that they see if they stick with it mm-hmm. and they can, they can accomplish what they thought that they couldn't. That's, that's important for all of us and, and particularly some of the kids that we work with. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't advertise the e-bike, although it could be fun, but uh, also can be a little bit more dangerous. But <laughs> How did you... Uh... So at one point you said, or at one point you said you had a car. Did you commute to work with that car or you've always? Yeah. Well, I, when uh, this goes, oh, way back, let me see my kids. My oldest is um, 52 and way back then I didn't really not want to use a car, but I had to have a car to, you know, take my kids around for errands. And then when I started trips for kids, um, I used it every day. Almost that's about all I used it for was to get up to work and back. Although interesting enough, now that when I gave up my <laughs> gave up my bike, I realized the bus stop going to our recyclery shop is a two-minute walk from my house and then another two-minute walk to recyclery. I could have done that all those years, but um but um it's it's it, it it it's a nice life without a car. Quite honestly, I don't know that everybody could do it, but um, I I I I recommend trying. Yeah, would you um you know, and people who are thinking about getting into bikes, uh, getting into just you know riding a bike, going out and stuff. There are people who are thinking about it. Would do you have any recommend recommendations on where to get started? You know, where to even go. Uh, and where, how to find your favorite trails. Yeah, well, and it probably varies around the country. Of course, what we do, we're introducing some of these kids to, to places, although for a lot of them, it would be hard for them to come back. Um, but for anybody getting started, um, you know, there's certainly clubs you can join, um, or as maybe your experience, you know, friends that you're, you know, are going to help you, you navigate where to go and you know how give you tips um and today with the computer you can just google uh tips on on riding or mountain biking and where to go um so a lot of opportunities i will imagine that like i would and i'd love to hear from you on this but i think going out with friends is probably probably the best way oh yeah yeah definitely i mean you know for me going out with my friends, it just was so much more, it was so much more fun finding these routes. Uh, you know, I, one of my friends, um, we rode around our uh, area where I'm out in Santa Clarita. Uh, and so we would just, we just kept going. Um, there was one time we went on a ride and we just kept going and going. And I was like, I don't know where this trail leads, but you know, let's just keep going. And so, yeah, definitely. You know, I, I agree. I think having friends around, it also brings a sense of security because, you know, sometimes you don't know what these trails are going to look like, um, you know, just in case if you happen to get hurt, uh, any of that. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think definitely finding a friend helps a lot because you get, you kind of start feeding off each other. It's like, oh, let's keep going. We're already at this point, you know. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. That, that is true. 
friends and also families. So, you know, for people that are younger, you know, that it, it, those that can, you know, go out with their family, those that can't, and that's why trips your kids is there. <laughs> right. And you know what? I actually wanted to ask you, do you have your favorite story about anyone who went through trips for kids and, you know, what, how, how they're doing now, if you, if you know, or can remember off the top of your head? Yeah, well, and a couple, normally we kind of lose touch with them, although I, and, and mostly it was not the kids on the rides because those kids, we would mostly see them once. Sometimes they would come back, but come back again. But uh, on our earn a bike program, we would get to know those kids. And um, I would, at one point when we first started, our offices were where the kids came. So we would see them every day. And as the years went by, our offices switched to uh, our shop in a different location. But as the years went by, um, I would always go down to visit our earn a bike program. And mm -hmm. some of the kids would start bike at nine and they would stay there until they uh, graduated high school. Uh, so those kids, we really did get to know. We There was a young man who was definitely into computers he was somewhat of a bicyclist but he really loved computers and wonder, wonderful young man and he wound up being our computer person for a number of years another young man um went on to um one of, one of the few that went on to work at a bike shop he worked at uh, Sausalito Cyclery um I was just mentioning him to Amy the other day and I have to check to see if he's still there, but he stayed at Sausalito Cyclery for many years. Um, but normally we would lose track of them. One day, this goes back a few years ago, Victor, who I mentioned on the Schwarzkopf, on the, that I yelled back, you know, no, no faster than 15 miles an hour. I was at um, one of the AT&T stores for this little self, this is cell gizmo I had. Mm -hmm. And there, uh, the, the um, person who helped me was Tarsi, who had been in our program. And who should come into the shop but this other young man? And he came up to me and he was like, he's in his 30s now. I didn't know who I was looking at. And it was Victor. <laughs> so that was like, you know, all those years later, Victor had gotten very he had a child and we you know he even and both of them spoke very fondly of trips for kids and and how would it help them out and what they had done so those are very exciting it's not like they happen every day but again just like i say we don't know everything that trips for kids has been able to do we don't do all those statistics and we don't track them i mean it would cost a fortune to do that but you just know you hear some of these stories and you know, boy, I bet there's a lot of kids out there that we've had an impact on their life. And uh, I've heard you mention, I mentioned earlier, I've heard you mention some of these programs that Trips for Kids has, like the Earn a Bike Workshop. Um, for some of our listeners who might not be familiar, I encourage everyone who's listening, by the way, you know, if you don't know, please, please go to trip, tripsforkids.org um, to find out more. But do you mind going into a little more detail about the Earn a Bike Workshop? Yeah, and how that started, um, I my hometown was St. Louis, and um, I went uh, back to visit, um, and I had heard of an Earn-A-Bike program there. So Earn-A-Bike is where 
kids come after school or on the weekends mm -hmm. and by learning how to work on bikes um, and doing fun things too they earn credit for bikes of their own uh, they're all recycled bikes that's all part of the environmental stuff and uh, so I went to visit his name was Roy Bond I went to visit their shop um, and really impressed and uh, continued reading there was another program up in Indianapolis and I thought, wow, you know, we should do something like that here. And we started. So we started at, or then our, our bike shop was in our downtown um, uh, San Rafael. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, oh, what I would do actually on my way up to work, I developed these flyers. And I would stop at the freeway where the guys, Hispanic guys from our canal district, that's uh, the um, uh, closest district. It's just like a mile from our shop or so. Mm -hmm. And I would pass out flyers that we were starting this Erna bike program, you know, in, in their language. And then I would go to the park there and, and spread the word there about what we were doing. And we started an Erna bike program at our shop. We had to eventually move it because the kids to get to us, it was a very dangerous bike ride and I didn't like that. So we uh, found warehouse space in their neighborhood and continued that program. And it, it, that was where we really got to know the kids. They were like our kids, you know, we would see them every day. We would watch them develop. We could have much more uh, impact on their development. So it, it's just a, an absolutely marvelous program. I, several of our chapters have been able to branch out into the bike um, programs also. Wow, wow. That, that, that's, you know, I had never prior to uh, when I, you know, found Trip for Kids and wanted to do and um, reached out so I could become a volunteer, I had not heard of a earn a bike program. And I, I truly think that's an amazing thing because Growing up, you know, I luckily, I, I was lucky to have my dad to teach me, uh, you know, different parts, how to make it. And, you know, some people, they don't, they don't have those opportunities. And I, I think that earn a bike program, that's, that's truly a special thing because they can go there, you know, and they, and they have the opportunity there to learn. Well, and with these kids, you know, the families struggle. The both mm -hmm. parents work. They don't necessarily have parents when they get mm -hmm. out of school. Uh, they don't have disposable income to go out and buy bikes. So uh, they were able to earn their own bike. And I think everybody knows how much more valuable it is when you've actually earned it yourself and actually put time into uh, helping to, to make that bike. It's, it's much more valuable. I also remember when we, when we started, none of the kids in that area that were biking were wearing helmets. And um, we're very proud of the fact that uh, they had to wear helmets and then it started to, um, you know, other kids were wearing them too. So we taught them safety. Uh, we taught them the environment, we, uh, computers. We, 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 did, we did a lot with those kids and still do. So outside of the kids as an obvious joy to you, um, who was one of your favorite people to have ever, you know, gone on a ride with? Oh, that would be a very hard question. Yeah. I, I can't, I can't, uh, yeah. It, 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 as I say, when, and then I used to say, and I firmly believe this, um, that uh, I, I just liked all of them, you know, and, and I always felt like anybody that volunteered mm -hmm. for our program or even gave $10, mm -hmm. 
It was, you know, just very grateful, very grateful for their support, their help. Um, but to pick uh, one favorite would be, that would be very hard. Absolutely. I do have a favorite story that I've told Amy, and this was a this was a young man that will always stick in my head. And his name was Albert, and Albert was very overweight, and we had a very hard ride that day. We went from the bottom of Mount Tam up to the top. The top is, I think, two thousand seven hundred feet. And uh, one of our volunteers, Conrad Del Rosario, I sometimes still stay in touch with. And I, we almost literally pushed Albert <laughs> up the mountain. We would take turns, you know. He, he would be pedaling as hard as he could, and we'd be behind him pushing, and one would go ahead, and then we'd come back, and we'd get our bike. And we got up to the top, and it was like, wow. You know, Albert, everybody was so excited that Albert got to the top. And I thought, sure enough, it's never going to come back. But he did. He came back on another ride. Wow. So, and again, it, you know, that is like the feeling of, wow, I did something. Sure, he had a lot of help, but he, he, had, he had to pedal too. Mm -hmm. So um, that was a, a memorable person to ride with and, and a Conrad too. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's funny. That is, that is funny. So to continue, uh, we have a couple uh, questions that were actually submitted by uh, some of the, some people, some uh, chapter leaders uh, that I'd like to try and get to to ask you real quick, if that's okay. Love uh, it. I'd love I always love to help the chapter leaders. Yes. Um, so what do you want for trips for kids in the next five years? Wow. Well, I do, mostly, I just want us to continue. I want us to continue long after I'm gone um, and, um, and, and, and to grow. And, you know, the more people you have uh, participating, the more ideas you have, the more different things you can do. Um, and I just, I, mostly that would be it that we, we, we just never give up, that we are institutionalized and here for the long haul, kind of like the Boys and Girls Club, you know, at a hundred, more than a hundred years. So that's what I hope for Trips for Kids. Um, what do you think Trips for Kids could do more of? Well, we could always develop more chapters, <laughs> uh, take more kids, um, and always, and I used to say, because you had to write grants and, um, we always serve, and this is, I'm saying this very genuinely, not just for writing grants, but always not, the quantity is important, but the quality is really important. Right. So that we always are giving as many people as we can, but with good quality in, in, the, in all the experiences that we're providing. Um, so and and the people, what makes that happen is the people. It's not necessarily the money, it's the people. 
and I noticed this for all those years that I worked with trips for kids, where we really shown mm -hmm. was when we had great people working with the kids who were the role models who had, uh, they just had that special ability. It's not even necessarily something you can teach them. And, and I, I maintain that those people, you know, they should probably be paid more too. You know, you look at these, these people that are earning, um, you know, that top 1% that are earning more than the bottom, you know, 90% or whatever. These are the valuable people, our essential workers today. And um, because without, without good people, you, you can't really run a good program. Absolutely, absolutely. We mentioned the recyclery a couple times in our in our conversations. Um, how can someone get involved in the recyclery? How can they donate, you know, parts, donate different things that can be used in these earn a bike workshops? Yeah, well, it um, that is probably you know it, we do, we not many of our chapters have recyclers. But any when they do, and I would imagine our, our Marin one is certainly the biggest, mm. um, you just have to get the word out and uh, letting people know that there is a place for them to donate, um, donate what they just have lying around. And this is also a very environmental notion. Um, when um, in the 70s, when I wrote a lot, I mm -hmm. thought to myself, because I was environmental then, and I knew we all had stuff stashed away at home. We didn't even know what to do with it. And I thought somebody should start a recyclery bike shop. Mm -hmm. I had no idea it was going to be me. But when we started it, uh, that was in 1995, um, all those people out there, all the cyclists, we were very popular. They had a place. They didn't have to feel guilty or put it into landfill. They had a place to donate um, what they were no longer using and to give it a new life. Um, so um, as long as you start that shop and get the word out, um, it's like, what is that? The field of dreams. It, um, it will come. Right, right. And then my last question uh, to close everything off, would you say, how can people get involved uh, with Trips for Kids right now as volunteers? Uh, I know we have uh, COVID going on right now and so we can't organize rides. Um, but once we are able to organize rides safely um, and organize really just every, everything uh, safely, um, how can people get involved? Well, certainly, no matter where you live, you, you either find, if you've got a chapter in your area, you know, to, to volunteer for, or you consider starting your own chapter, if there is not one. And uh, any program that starts, um, you know, some may just do the ride, some may have the earn -a bike the recyclery. Uh, you need all kinds of volunteers. You need volunteers to help mentor the kids, um, volunteers even so if you've got if you've got a structure that's housing your bike it might need painting it needs wiring um you you need volunteers of all sorts so it's it's just finding finding where we have trips for kids chapters and contacting them and and volunteering or again starting your own and trips for kids is there to help you every step of the way you know should you decide to start the reason I developed uh, the national program 
was because we were getting a lot of press uh, from the bike industry and I would get um, uh, inquiries uh, about, you know, people, you know, how could I start a trip for kids? And so uh, thinking back on how Kevin Fox gave me the inspiration to start by saying, you don't have to be a psychologist. I decided that's exactly what we were going to do. So we started our national program and uh, that's what Amy is continuing today, that we are helping people to, to um, start their own Trips for Kids program. And the beauty of that is the more we can do that, the more kids all around the country and even around the world. We did have a chapter in Israel. We had started one even in, um, oh, now I'm drawing a blank at the name. It's where the big Ebola outbreak was. Mm -hmm. So we had started actually going international, but they can be started anywhere. And uh, that's, that's the job of Trips for Kids. And it's a wonderful job. So that's why we want to stay around forever so we can do more and more and more. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I actually have one last question. So for any younger person right now who's listening, um, and you know, they might want to get, they want, might want to join the rides or just be a part of Trips for Kids uh, as a rider or join their uh, bike program, how, how would they do that? Yeah, and we would, and again, it depends on the chapter. In our chapter here in Marin, you had to be part of an agency. So we would get calls from people saying, you know, how, you know, can you take my kid? Well, here we would not, we did not take individual kids. So we would encourage them. We'd find the agency that was riding with us closest to where they lived, and we would encourage them to join the agency. Other chapters, I think, do take individual kids. They don't necessarily be part of an agency. So um, it's, it, and certainly if anybody knows of Trips for Kids and doesn't know how to navigate their community, it would be contacting Amy at our national, um, national headquarters and uh, she could walk them through how they could go about connecting. Absolutely. Um, all right, well, you know, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Marilyn. This was an absolute honor to be able to interview you and speak with you on different subjects and uh, have you as the first guest ever for the, uh, for the pedal pod. But you did a great job and it was wonderful to meet you. And um, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm never look forward to appearing in public, but this was fun. So thank you, Mark. I hope I hope we get to have you back. I'd love to talk more about about all these topics with you. Okay. Thanks again. Thank you. All right. And yeah, I think we're good. All right.